0: It sure is and it is time for you to uh, to hang with us and the phone number 416-870-6400 that is the way to go uh, Stan, the man is in the uh, the hot seat today got a, st- a bunch of stuff he wants to talk about including bonus payments and stuff like that emails you want to send one long help at employment lawyer .ca is the way to go to reach out to Stan or Lior, a member of the team when we're not on the air here, you know that number uh, 1-855-821-5900 again 1-855-821-5900 we'll get to that and the pocket employment lawyer will give you some details on what that is all about uh, but again, 416-870-6400 line on the Wednesday night edition of the Employment Law Show is open and ready for you Monday night, Wednesday night, weekend shows and of course Employment Law Show on Global TV and CTV that happens on the weekend mornings. So, Stan, brother, what do you got going for the, uh, the week? That was a couple things I know.
1: Yeah, absolutely, John. Great to be back as always. My Damn first it. show for 2020. So, very excited to be back. Uh, so, I did want to talk about one topic that's come up uh, with one of my clients recently, and that's the topic of fixed term contracts. Uh, so, I have a client right now who was working at a golf course and uh, ended up signing a two year fixed term contract. And the reasoning behind this was that basically the guy before him quit just before the season started. They were scrambling. My client had an inkling that these guys were really only looking to hire him for the for the season, and right. they were going to get rid of him at the end. So he figured he'd ask for a fixed-term contract, have some security, and they agreed. Uh, and lo and behold, he works the season. Around end of October, early November, they say... Well, no. actually, we don't need you anymore, Uh, so we're going to let you go. And by the way, that fixed-term contract had a termination clause that said we can let you go and pay you a week. So thanks for all the help. We'll see you later. Now, what this company didn't realize, and what they're certainly realizing now, is that that termination clause was unenforceable. So essentially, the way it works now, as the courts have established, is that if you have a fixed-term contract with Mm -hmm. an unenforceable termination clause... Or with no clause whatsoever, you actually owe the person the balance of the contract. And guess what, John? That isn't even subject to mitigation. Anything they earn between then and the end of the contract doesn't reduce your damages. Wow. So the lessons here really are twofold for both sides, really. For employers, there's frankly very, very few good reasons to use a fixed-term contract. Anything you can accomplish with a fixed-term contract, you can generally accomplish with a regular contract with a fairly good termination clause. And and same thing for employees. Just because you have a fixed-term contract doesn't guarantee you anything. If it's got a termination clause that says we can get rid of you, pay you a week, you've got no more security than you or I, John.
0: I remember Lior. You know, one of the cases he talked about, and he's, he's mentioned a few times, is you know he had a client who had a five-year contract. And it was about three, four, maybe six months into the contract, the uh, the company said, you know what? Uh, here's your hat. What's your hurry? This isn't working out. And they owed him the remainder, four and a half years worth of pay, and it was a six-figure salary. So I mean, that's uh, <laughs> well, that's pretty scary. That's a nice little holiday. Well, I can uh, I was.
1: could do you one better because I recently came across a case where a guy had sold his business and signed a. Nine- year contract Ooh. and uh, they let him go after a year and guess what they owed him every penny it ended up being like a million plus oh my god yeah it's like a little lottery win oh you know, my gosh again that just a lesson to be learned for employers there's really very few reasons you need to yeah. have a fixed term contract
0: 416-870-6400 is the number to call in, ask questions uh, about uh, your particular situation or something you've just wondered about your job or employment law uh, in the grand scheme. Feel free to give us a call. Stand here for the remainder of the hour to uh, to answer those questions. What else you got going on?
1: Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, we were going to jump into bonus payments. Right? Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, a couple
0: things here, a couple of uh, notes that have been sent along. Uh, this one, uh, received a bonus payment every year for the last five years. Uh, I was just terminated and my company is saying that I am not entitled to the 2019 bonus, even though I worked the whole year. So five years bonus every year, 2019, sorry, you're not getting it. Can they take that uh, bonus away from this person?
1: Yeah, I see this happen all the time. I mean, companies think they're really smart. Uh, Yeah, we'll have you work the whole year. Bonuses generally don't get paid out until the spring because there's got to be some calculations, some budgeting, and eventually they get paid out in the spring. And guess what? January comes around. They think, hey, you know, why why don't we save five, ten grand? Just Mm -hmm. let this guy go because we were probably going to let him go anyway and save that bonus money. You know, unless you have frankly, an exceptionally wet written clause, because these clauses need to be airtight, even more so right. than termination clauses in some instances. Wow. You you can't just take away somebody's bonus once they've worked it. Uh, so, so generally speaking, I would tell that person, no, they they probably can't take away your bonus. And if, if they're trying to, you should give us a call.
0: Does that also apply to uh, profit sharing or can it?
1: Profit sharing, yeah, absolutely, because profit sharing is just a different type of bonus. It's just a different metric by which you can actually quantifiably determine what the bonus is. Usually profit sharing says, okay, you get 1% of revenue or profit or whatever. And, and it's just a way for companies to structure a bonus so that, frankly, you're t- your performance is tied to the comp- performance of the company.
0: We're talking about bonuses. Don't miss a second of this. Uh, chances are is a pr- fairly high probability if you're in the type of job that gives out bonuses. It might come to an end one day or not, but you want to make sure you got all your uh, your ducks in a row. 416-870-6400 is the number. Um how about if you're on a notice period? Are you entitled to the bonus if you're during the notice period?
1: So again, I mean, unless the company has an airtight clause that disentitles you from the bonus, the presumption, and again, presuming this bonus is integral, like if you're getting a $100 Christmas bonus, you know, that's not integral enough to your compensation for you to be compensated for that. It's That would be considered more discretionary, realistically. But if you have an integral component... If the bonus, a lar- bonus is a large enough component of your salary right. or of your earnings, and there's nothing that says, hey, you don't get it, you definitely deserve that bonus during the notice period.
0: 416-870-6400 is the way to go. We'll uh, slide over to our phone calls because they are most important. Sean, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. How are you?
2: Hey, great. How are
0: you? Excellent. What's, uh, what's on your mind?
2: Uh, I have a question. My daughter is was an employee at a retail store that just went bankrupt. Uh, just closed up the stores a couple of weeks back. She's been there for approximately one year, a year and a few months. And um, is she entitled to any um, any pay? Um, so, that's pretty well, is my question, good question.
1: yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, the unfortunate reality is that when a company goes bankrupt, it literally means that they have more liability and debts than they have cash on hand or assets to pay for them. So your daughter becomes one of a long list of creditors, essentially getting in line to be paid something. And frankly, she probably won't get anything from the company if they're going bankrupt. There is a government program in place for these situations that will provide you with your minimum notice entitlements called the Wage Earners Protection Program. And usually uh, generally if you have if you're a creditor of a bankrupt company, you will get a copy of the bankruptcy documents and along with that some document, some documents related to this program. So you can apply for that and you, I mean it may not be much but you'll probably end up getting about a week of pay.
2: Okay, so um, the two weeks that she had worked, um, she gets
1: no pay whatsoever then? Oh, so she, she actually worked for time, and then they, again, they didn't pay her for earned wages. Uh, right. Again, I mean, she, it's very unfortunate, but if the company doesn't have the money to pay her, she just becomes an unsecured creditor just like anyone else. And she I gets in, you know, put in the queue, and if there's any money left over, maybe she gets something.
2: I understand. Thank you very much. So then, would I go on like a government website to uh, find these papers to fill out, or
1: yeah, just Google uh, the Wage Earners Protection Program, uh, and it should come up. There's a form. It, and generally speaking, as a creditor, you should get the bankruptcy documents that speak to the fact that the company's gone bankrupt, and they have to. You, when you go bankrupt, you have to go to the court to prove that you're technically bankrupt. And you have to get an order from the court allowing you to go into bankruptcy. So if she hasn't gotten that, you know, you can ask uh, the trustee because generally there's a trustee appointed and ask them about the wage earners protection program. Or you can go on Google and search for it.
2: Hey, that's great. I really appreciate your help, and I love
0: your show. Thanks, guys. Uh, Sean, I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, to call us and get the information. That's all you need. It's like what happened to Sears, right? So many people lost their shirt, and they got nothing from Sears because they weren't secured creditors. They were way down the line, and there was little or no hope that they were going to get any uh, shekels at the end of it, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, retailers, I mean, they've got inventory yep. generally, and you, you can sell that off and spread, the, uh, spread what's left. But, you know, retailers, they lease their properties. So guess what? The leaseholder... Is also right. is also an unsecured creditor, and they've got a much bigger debt owed to them than you do, and just generally speaking, they you know they don't have many assets to go around. And if they've got no cash on hand, where you kind of end up out of luck. Yeah, we got a couple minutes to go here before we uh, take our uh,
0: first break. We'll get to Don. Don, thanks for hanging on. Good evening. Hi. How are you? Good, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind?
3: Okay, I'm calling about my daughter. Actually, she sure. works for uh, uh, an investment firm in downtown Toronto. There, she's. Uh, She's not a real high earner. She's in, a, I guess, maybe a junior position. So she's found another job that pays more in Vancouver. She's offered her resignation at the end of this month. Her Mm -hmm. bonus is due either at the end of February or the middle of March. And uh, she she was asked by her supervisor to work an extra week because they want to train someone going into her position, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And my daughter uh, smartly said, well, if you pay me my bonus... I'll be happy to work the extra week. And uh, her boss said, well, I'll see. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not -hmm. not holding out that uh, she's going to have a positive response. But is she entitled to her bonus regardless of when she has resigned?
1: So did she earn the bonuses of last year? You're saying it's the bonus that she worked for for 2019.
3: I believe that's the case. That's the way most companies, they're not paying you a bonus based on a monthly basis. They're paying you on. On past performance
1: well some companies don't line up with the calendar year themselves so they may have their own fiscal year but generally speaking uh, if she doesn't have a, a bonus plan that says you have to be employed on the day we pay out the bonus to get your bonus and language and frankly even more strict language than that then she has a very good claim to that bonus
3: okay so unless her bon- if she has a bonus plan that specifically states that she is entitled to her bonus
1: Exactly. Unless it says that she has to be employed on the date that the bonus is paid out, and specifically says that if you resign beforehand or if you're terminated beforehand, you will not get that bonus, then it's presumptively assumed by the courts and and that law that she should get that bonus.
3: All right. Well, thank you very much. I'll follow up with my daughter. I think she'll be... uh... Uh, she'll have to do a little bit of uh, homework, but I appreciate the information. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. You have a good day. Thank you,
0: Don. Appreciate that. If you want to follow up with Stan as well, uh, maybe have a look at that document. Uh, 1-855-821-5900 would be the number to reach out to the firm. In the meantime, get the phones loaded up. we got time for you and open lines. 416-870-6400. That is how we roll here on a Wednesday night employment law show, Global News Radio. Stan is uh, in the chair tonight answering all of your questions. Plenty of time for you to call in and ask them. 416 870 6400. You want to send along an email if you got time? It's help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, we'll continue on here with our talking and chat about bonuses in between the phone calls. Always a priority, though. Uh, Doug, thanks for hanging on the line through the break. How are you? Fantastic yourself. Good, sir. What's uh, what's on your mind?
4: So I worked uh, for a restaurant uh, as a pri- uh, private contractor, like, you know, uh, I was the chef. Um, he is not, I, I had an HST number, I charged him HST, and then at the end of the year I paid my taxes. Um, he's going to get audited now for private contractors. Um, is there anything I have to be worried about uh, by the CRA?
1: Yeah, I mean uh, certainly because obviously as a chef, I'm guessing I'm gonna, you know, hypothesize you probably weren't a contractor because I'm guessing you worked full time, you know, this was your sole sole company that you worked for, and you probably took all direction from the company as well in terms of what to do, when to do it, how to do it.
4: Yeah, yeah, and so, but he he owned three other uh, two other restaurants, and he would pay me. Um, from those three different restaurants so it wouldn't be like the same check every time so that way he would try try and screw over the government
1: yeah I mean that may be enough to, to you know the government and make them look in the wrong direction, but I suspect that the, once they put connect the dots and say, hey, these are actually all your restaurants, and all these guys who you claim are contractors are really just employees working at three different re- companies that you own, yeah, I mean, I certainly would be concerned that you might have your taxes reassessed, and granted, it depends on how you were doing your own taxes as to whether you should be worried about that, because if you're writing off a whole bunch of stuff and you have a very creative accountant, then yeah, you can have all that reassessed and say, you owe tax on that because you can't expense anything as an employee and you owe penalties if you weren't doing that and you were just being an honest canadian taxpayer taking the money you got taking true you know expenses off and then paying income on the rest you probably don't have much to worry about
4: yeah because I, I you know I, I think i my tax bill last year was like 15 grand so um you know my, my accountant's pretty on the level so he doesn't like to uh you know, have the CRA come look at anything, so.
1: Yeah, because ultimately, I mean, if you're paying your fair share of tax, even though your employer's misclassifying you, realistically, you're paying your fair share of tax. That's the reality. So the CRAs really shouldn't have a a problem with that.
4: The only problem they'll have is with him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to justify why he ha- wasn't withholding CPP and EI deductions. And, you know, there's some case law weaving its way through the court right now that says because you were paying those dedu- uh, CPP and EI deductions when he should have, he might owe you that money. Oh, perfect. Potentially. It's, uh, it's making its way through the courts.
4: Okay, great. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks Doug, appreciate
0: the uh, the call, you want to continue on, uh, more questions for Stan? Easy, 1-855-821-5900 is the way to go, you can slide an email over as well, that is help at employmentlawyer.ca, but for the remainder of this hour, you know the number, 416-870-6400 is the, uh, the way to go, talking about bonuses, and uh, quite another question you get is, my employer wants to take away my bonus this year, saying that the company cannot afford it, is the employer allowed to do that?
1: And again, this is this can easily be construed as a constructive dismissal if the bonus is a really significant component of your compensation, and you know they're looking to basically reduce your salary by twenty, twenty-five percent, and that's a constructive dismissal. Right. You know they can't do that. That's a fundamental term of what you agreed to work there for. So if it's something
0: where it's, you know, a, a cup of eggnog and a jelly of the month club, then no, that's not that's not compa- like that's not enough. Right.
1: Well, again, I mean, that's it, it, that's true with every constructive dismissal, because the the key term there is, is, is it fundamental to the employment relationship? Right. So, you right. know, me telling you to to, you know, do something one duty that you may not do, John, like, oh, can you help me out with this one thing? And you say no and claim constructive dismissal. That's probably not going to be enough to convince a court that that was a constructive. In this case, though, again, depending on the percentage, it absolutely can be. Right. I have a bonus at work that was directly tied to my
0: performance. Uh, I know I hit 100% of my target last year and should be getting a bonus. My employer is now saying that the bonus is discretionary. There's that word again. And that the company didn't do well, didn't say they're bankrupt, didn't do well, so I won't be getting a bonus for 2019. Is this even allowed?
1: Yeah, you know, I I love it when employers call a bonus discretionary, but then give you specific metrics to tell you this is what you need to do to earn it, because that's (sighs) antithetical to the idea of discretionary bonus. Discretionary means we're just going to make up a number and it's not based on anything inside of our goodwill. You know, everything other than that is not discretionary. In this particular case, if you've hit your metrics... You know, you're entitled to that bonus. If they're not paying it to you, and again, it's a, it's an integral part of your compensation, that's, you know, you call a lawyer and you talk about to them about constructive dismissal because that's what it looks like. You have questions, 416-870-6400. Uh,
0: that's uh, while we're on the air here on your Mondays, your Wednesdays as well. You want to reach out to Stan or Lior when we're not doing the show, it's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll be referring to that here very shortly. Uh, describe the difference, because some people think it's a, it's, a, it's a little cloudy. Difference between bonus pay and commissions
1: yeah again, these two terms I, I see them in employment contracts. I hear people talking about them and they're often you know used interchangeably right. and again, they they sometimes frankly are interchangeable because commissions are no really no different than having a bonus that's based on specific performance structures and metrics. you know if you've got metrics that say, hey, you get a bonus if you hit if you sell a million dollars of our product, You know, if you have a commissions structure that says, "Hey, you get a uh, commissions if you sell a million dollars of our product," there's really no difference at law between those two. And so, really, realistically, I mean, commissions are generally companies are a little bit more transparent with commissions. You know, they'll give you out front saying, "Hey, this is what it's based on," and it's much harder actually to prevent a person from getting their commissions once you terminate them because commissions are accrued wages. Uh, Bonuses aren't necessarily accrued wages. It depends on the bonus structure, uh, the payout date, things like that. But commissions, because you can quantifiably say, hey, I hit that number, I'm owed that money, that's accrued wages and you're definitely owed that money.
0: The number again, 416-870-6400 to call in for the remainder of time. We're here on the uh, the show tonight. If you haven't tried it yet or even looked at it, uh, slide on over pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. This is a fantastic new website built on the foundation and the success of the severance pay calculator, which, by the way, is rolled into pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. It's a top thing you can click on right there other than the contact button. Uh, it's like having a lawyer with you at all times. If Stan and Leora are not around to, to answer a call or if you're just in the office on your your, on your your desktop or your tablet or your cell, you want to check it out. It'll cover severance pay, uh, termination for cause, whether you're an independent contractor or not. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't a constructive dismissal. What does it mean? It'll break it down for a human rights violations, workplace harassment. This thing is a robust website. There's even a section on long-term disability because the other part of the firm that you guys do deals with uh, LTD and personal injury because those two are so so commonly intertwined with uh, somebody being on disability and losing their job, so on and so forth. So there is a section on that as well. It is uh, completely anonymous. It is absolutely free. You can't pay for it if you want to. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. If you want to carry on at that point and contact Stan or Leor, you can do exactly that. And uh, there's a Contact Us button at the top right. And you can uh, you can carry on from there. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the uh, is the way to go. 416-870-6400 to call through for the remainder of our time. Emails uh, coming up here, as promised. Roman, you're up first, pal. Says, uh, I'm about to start a new job stand with a competitor of my old employer. Competitor of my old employer. My contract with the old employer had a non-compete clause that said I cannot work for a competitor in Ontario for two years after my termination. How worried should I be about this clause?
1: So, Roman, I mean, it really boils down to, you know, these clauses from a legal perspective are meant for really executive-level people. Courts are loathe to enforce non-competes as a general rule because at the end of the day, what your old employer is saying is not only are you fired, but you can't work in your industry and you can't work in Ontario. And the way these things are generally judged on a couple of factors. I mean, number one, what did you do for your old employer? You know, if if you were a janitor with a two-year non-compete never going to be enforceable. You you don't have any information that you could take to somebody else realistically. Yeah. Uh, if you're, you know, C- COO, CEO, yeah, you've got a lot of very very important confidential information and there's a very good reason why a, a Your old employer would want to prohibit you from jumping across the street and giving it to your new employer. So the general rule when it comes to these things is that they're not likely to be enforceable if you're low level. Uh, They're not likely to be enforceable if they're far too long in time period. You know, two years is a crazy long time to have a non-compete. And they're not likely to be enforceable if they're not properly limited from a geographic scope. Because, if right. you, again, if you have a company that only sells widgets in Toronto, why can't you go up in, to North Bay and sell widgets? Sure.
0: You know, yep, makes it, a lot of sense.
1: But, again, it, you know, it may be that if this company does sell widgets throughout Ontario and they can show real harm that would happen if you went to work for the competitor, then that may be tailored properly. It yeah. all comes down to the individual facts here.
0: Roman, you want to reach out by phone after this? one 821 5900 Moving on to uh, to David. David, thanks for hanging on the line. Good evening. How are you? Hey, David. Okay, you? Good, Good pal. You? Good, man. What's uh, what's on your mind?
5: <laughs> now, I had a relationship uh, uh, with an employer where you know the, the uh, terms verbally were subcontract. However, having business cards, working 40 hours a week, you know, I'm sure I'd probably fall into the realm of a uh, of an employee. Mm-hmm. That being said, uh, you know, she was a real mensch in terms of paying me on time, but she stiffed me when it came to my commissions. And there is approximately, legitimately, you know, eleven thousand dollars that's owed to me in commissions. She just flat, flat out said, I, "I don't have the money," and 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 you you you, uh, uh, you, you, you cost me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you, you but but the job that I because I was supposed to make ten percent on off the um, off the gross, and she just never paid me for that one job, but she paid me huh. commission on all the other jobs that were obviously a lot smaller, and so I just want to know if there's a statute of limitation in terms of suing her in small claims court, or can I still go to the labor board, or can I do what?
1: Well, there's you've got a couple of issues going on there. So to deal with the commissions issue, firstly, I mean. Realistically, whether you're an employer or subcontractor, if you've earned wages, like we just said, commissions or wages, you know, or wages, or in your case, if you're a true contractor, those would be service fees. You're owed right. that money. It's uh, it's and like any commercial transaction, if you did work, you're owed money. If you want to take that person to court, you can certainly do that. Uh, you probably you can't go to the labor board over something like that. Because, or I mean, in your case, if you establish that you actually are an employee and they are, you know, accrued wages, the labor board may be appropriate for it. But realistically, probably court is the more, you know, better path for you here. Because number one, you can go after for commissions, and I'm guessing she let you go after she said she can't pay you. So Bingo. yeah. So uh, on top yeah. of that, you probably are if you are, you know, either a either an employee or a dependent contractor if you look like a contractor but you only work for one company and entirely financially dependent on this one company in either case she owes you payment in lieu of notice so i would absolutely tell you give us a call tomorrow morning call us at the office i'll be happy to speak to you and we'll see what we can do for you
5: and is there, but is there, is, is there a statute of limitations?
1: So the statute of limitations on any action in Ontario is two years from the date that you discovered the action or the action occurred. Uh, oftentimes those are the same dates because, you know, you know when she didn't pay you, you were owed yeah. money. Sometimes those dates uh, aren't. You know, you didn't realize until several years later, hey, guess what? I just realized after listening to the employment hour, I'm an employee. I gotta call these guys right now, so it, it just yeah. depends on the circumstances. But generally speaking, it's two years.
5: Now, would that be from the sort? Would that be from the date of sale, like the date that she? Uh,
1: it would technically be from the date that you realized that she wasn't going to pay you those commissions. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like when she came to you and said, "Hey, I'm not paying this to you," that's when probably the clock starts running.
5: Got it.
0: Okay. Are you, are you under the gun, David? You're less than two years
5: i think it's exceeded two years truthfully oh,
0: i'm okay, sorry well, to hear that
5: this this, this was yeah. this was yeah this was new year's eve two years ago and uh ah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, you're and close,
1: I, and, I, and I, I mean, with these, when it comes to something like non-payment, because it's fluid, I mean, you didn't really know when she wasn't going to pay you until you kind of realized somewhere yeah, along this path that she wasn't going to pay you. It, it's a fluid limitations period. You don't know when it starts, and that's up to a court to decide. So you may still have something worth uh, fighting over.
0: David, appreciate the call. Going to let you go. Thank you for your time. Yeah, reach out for sure. It's it's worth uh, it's worth a gander for sure. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the number, David, to reach out to stand and continue on in uh, in that regard. Still got time here. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred to call in and ask your questions, comments, uh, whatever. Bring it on. You are the uh, you're under the spotlight. Hey, Dave, how are you? Thanks for hanging on.
2: I'm good. I probably have a question coming at it from the other side now. As an employer, right? Um, yep. How come, you, how come the employer is always wrong? Like, if I have employees and they, they, you know, they want to be paid as contractors, and then that's fine, and then you pay them as contractors and they enjoy the tax advantages and whatnot, and then CRA comes along and says to them, well, you know what, you know, maybe you're only working for one employer and you're only taking direction from that one employer. Mm-hmm. Then the employee turns around and says to the employer, oh, no, 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 you did me dirt. Right. You know, I should have been an employee all along. And then as the employer, now I'm hanging out there. It, it, it seems like like it's kind of it, it only cuts one way and it doesn't seem fair as an employer.
1: You know, I hear what you're saying. It is a bit of a catch 22 because, you know, in that situation, the employee, the contractor, can kind of have their cake and eat it, too. They can get the tax break on the one side and then afterwards claim, hey, I'm an employee. I want my notice. The reason that the obligation falls upon you is because at the end of the day, you're the one who hired them. You made the—I mean, I understand they came to you and said, hey, we'll only work under this circumstances. Trust me, I have a lot of transportation companies who are dealing with this issue all the time because drivers— Don't want to be employees. They all want to be contractors. And you can't get enough drivers in the transportation industry right now. But the reality is that you ultimately make that choice. You could tell them, no, you're either an employee or you're not working here. It may not seem like a fair choice, but that's the choice that you get to make as the employer.
2: So that's the only option that you have is really is up front to say, like, like why would anybody hire a contractor then? Because, because, like I said, the contractor is happy until CRA comes and gives them a hard time and then, then they don't want to be a contractor anymore. And now that is the employer. And now I'm exposed.
1: Well, the idea is that you hire a contractor when they're really a contractor, right? Like the guy I go get to fix my roof, he's not my employee. I hired him for a job. That's a true contractor. Right.
2: Agreed. But if a contractor comes and says, yes, I have multiple, you know, contracts with other employers, and I take direction, and I don't exclusively work for you, then I'm, okay, that's fine, you know, you seem legit, you're a contractor, I pay you that way, and then I have no way of controlling what that person does, right? Like, if that person only decides to work for me, and then something comes up down the road, now I'm the one who gets dragged into it from the employer side.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I think that is a bit of a blind spot in the, uh, in the law. Law right now that as it relates to dependent contractors because a lot of people argue well you know i hired this guy and frankly sometimes it's happened where in the case law where somebody is a contractor for the first few years but then as you start giving them more work and they decide that they just want to work for you they they start to become dependent contractors and they get to court and the court says yeah for maybe the first three years he was independent but for the last 10 he's a dependent contractor you owe money on that in that situation you know again as i think
2: can I do like what? Right. Going you gotta right. get a right. good to contract. Share? What do I
1: do? You gotta get a gotta get things in writing. You gotta get them to sign certain documents. There are ways that you can fit have a contract because you know a dependent contractor. If is if you have a clause in there, a termination clause, you that says you can let them go after thirty days or whatever they don't have the same rights as an employee. The Employment Standards Act doesn't apply to a dependent contractor. They they are entitled to notice because of the common law and the way the case law is formed around that. But that doesn't mean that you can't limit their entitlements by having a contract that says, "Hey, if I let you go, the most I'm ever going to owe you is 30 days."
2: Okay, cuz cuz some contractors probably don't know that. And that's why they then want to try to become that they pretend that they were actually employees at that time.
1: Absolutely. Like I said, they want to have it both ways, and that's why. Again, at the end of the day, employers you need contracts. Contracts are important for, to protect you from liability. At the end of the day. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Dave.
0: Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, maybe a follow-up phone call and reaching out would be uh, would be a good idea. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Important point you made too. I mean, we talk a lot about the employee side of things on the show, just because that's generally the phone calls we get. But yeah, I mean, how many how many contracts a week or a year do you sign and draft to protect employers going in before they get into a situation like that? It's 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 the other half of your business, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, our employer, you know, we tell all of our employer clients, you know, you got to have something in writing. You need yeah. to have this in place. Trust me, it might cost a little bit of money up front. Nobody likes to pay lawyers when they don't think they're doing anything for you. Mm-hmm. But five, 10 years down the line, when somebody tries to come back at you, you're going to thank thank that lawyer that he drafted that contract try for you
0: <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and you know you'll be avoiding a complete shite storm, right? It's, you got ten employees, <laughs> and all of a sudden they're coming at you for uh, for severance, but you've been protected. You guys have even put on seminars. I know that for employers about here's uh, here's what you got to do, guys. Here's how, and girls. Here's how you get your ducks in a row and protect your company moving forward. So always a uh, a good thing to do as an employer and uh, and reach out to Stan and the rest of the uh, the guys one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred in that regard. Going to move on yeah. to uh, to Lily. Another email says I am a salary employee. Uh, stand, but regularly work 48 hours a week. My employer keeps telling me I am not entitled to any overtime, but I read that employees get overtime after 44 hours a week. Are salaried employees also entitled to overtime?
1: Yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, the, the ESA doesn't actually distinguish, well, hourly employees or salaried right. employees get overtime. No, if you work more than 44 hours a week. Those extra four hours in Lily's case that she's working a week, she should be getting time and a half for those. And frankly, you know, what I'm going to presume in this case, because I see it all the time, is that she's not even getting paid for those hours. Her employer is just saying, hey, you do it because you got to do it. That's your job. And, you know, I understand from the employee perspective, what are you going to say? No, I'm not going to work those four hours. You probably end up out of a job. It's an unfortunate situation, but the reality is that you have rights And both lawyers and, frankly, the ministry are there to enforce those rights in these situations.
0: And I would assume, if, if if I'm correct, if she is a salaried employee wondering, okay, how do I get the overtime? Because that that seems like an, uh, an hourly deal. You just take your salary for a week, divide that by 44, gives you an hourly rate. Anything beyond that in a week, it's time and a half, correct? Yeah, simple math, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rishma is next. we got time for this one for sure. It says, I was just terminated from my company because of a post I made on my personal Facebook account. The post had nothing to do with my work or company, and I don't understand how they can
1: terminate me for this. This, is this legal? So, you know, companies are becoming a lot more aware of their reputations and the social oh, yeah. media environment these days. You, know, you bet. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you make a comment that doesn't align with a company's brand, you know, keep in mind that in Ontario, you can be let go for any reason as long as you're paid what you're owed, and it's not discrimination. So if you get let go because of a social media post that you posted about XYZ and it has nothing to do with your company... As long as they pay you what you're owed, that's all you're entitled to. You know, you have people have to be smart about what they're posting online these days.
0: It's interesting because that would be a case where you would say it doesn't rise to the level of cause to let her go. But as you said, they can let you go if they don't like the color of your shirt, as long as they're paying your proper severance by the common law. Correct?
1: Right. I absolutely agree with that. But I can also see situations, especially where you know, if you're a high level, very you know, visible employee of a company, like an executive, and you make some very, very derogatory comments. Because of the tie to the company and the, you know, the nexus that can be established as it relates to the reputational harm the company could suffer, then absolutely they may even have cause to let you go in that situation.
0: Get to one more quick one here before we wrap. Robert's uh, email is perfect. says, how much notice do I have to give my employer if I want to resign?
1: So unless you have a contract that says you gotta give them a notice, the answer is you don't have to. Now, well, there, no kidding. Uh, there are situations where, if you again, if you're a very high-level employee and you can cause a lot of damage by resigning, there there is something actually called a wrongful resignation where your employer can sue you because you resigned at a very inopportune time and that they you caused them real damages. Uh, but generally speaking, if you're just a regular employee, blue collar, and you don't have a contract that says you got to give two weeks notice, you don't got to give them anything.
0: But generally, I mean, you don't, you don't want to be a total DB. You want to be give some notice a couple weeks is usually nice to do even though it's not legally obligated to do so, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, as a general practice, you know, you should try to treat your employer with respect and and if they're going to leave, leave on good terms. You never know how things are going (laughs) to turn around at the end of the day and when you may need that person's help again.
0: And that's how we're doing it for, uh, for now. We're going to wrap it up here until the weekend. Again, reminder, uh, Employment Law Show, Global TV and CTV as well on the weekend morning. Thank you, Stan. Carry on as you were for you as well. 1-855-821-5900 to reach out. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the website. And email help at employmentlawyer.ca. Till next time, stick around. Do not go anywhere on point. Alex Pearson continues right here on Global News Radio.